Hi, this is Andrea Borcia. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Far Stuff. The Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff. We're talking about Amazon. The Amazon? <laughs> the company that's slowly taking over the world? Oh, no. There's a guy named Amazon. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that guy. <laughs> Amazon's been a, a rather interesting company. I feel like when it first started, people weren't quite too sure. There, there were a lot of naysayers because it started as a bookseller. And it was like, you can't sell books on the internet. And, and it had people a really dumb read. name, too. <laughs> Amazon was originally called Cadabra. Start. That's, that's even dumber. Yeah, seriously. So started by Jeff Bezos, a tech aficionado, I guess. I mean, he was a big guy in tech even before he started Amazon. But it seemed like, <laughs> according to the Wikipedia article anyway, uh, Bezos wanted to create something that would be part of his regret minimization framework, which basically meant he didn't want to miss out on being part of this ever-growing internet world. He wanted to be a next major th- player in it. But what it seems like his real focus is with creating Amazon is to literally be an indispensable part of every part of your life with the way Amazon's growing. I mean, if you look at the history, what started as a simple bookseller that would ship books anywhere in the world has now acquired a bunch of companies that are kind of spread out all over the place. I mean, you've got, if you look at the bottom of amazon.com, that's just a small helping of different types of uh, companies. So you know, there's like diapers.com and obviously Amazon has spread since books, but we're more interested in particular aspects like AWS, Amazon Web Services. It is amazing how many acquisitions they've had. I'm sure a lot of those were acquire situations where they were acquiring potentially the tech, but probably more often than not the teams too. Maybe. I, I mean, Google acquires, I think, primarily to get the talent. I think Amazon almost feels like it acquires because it has a whim one day that (laughs) this might be something that could be a good idea to get into or, hey, this seems trendy. Like, for example, Amazon Fresh to deliver groceries right to your door or fabric specifically for sewing, quilting and knitting. So it just seems a bit like oh, this might be something where we could make money. Let's move in that direction. And you can definitely see that with the whole controversy about the stock and how much the company's worth and whether or not it actually ever makes a profit. Yeah, they they bought CreateSpace, which is uh, a bunch of mild friends, and they're still there for the most part. Yeah. So they bought the technology and it's still used. They were called Custom Flicks. And I believe they're called branded CreateSpace for Amazon right now. But those folks are still there. So I really do, I do feel like at least... From my point of view, they they acquire for the talent as well. And and that makes sense. Sure, for sure. I mean, they acquired Zappos too, which was a pretty impressive company all on its own. Yeah, and they've left kind of the branding and stuff alone, which is really interesting. Yeah, the the way Amazon grew kind of wants to be your everything. It wants to be everything to everyone, it it seems. Um, Both if you're a merchant, if you're a customer, even if you're a developer, they kind of want to be your go-to no matter who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. And even more dramatically, they want to be everybody else's everything, too, in the sense that, you know, Netflix basically runs on AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, which is their back end stuff. And when AWS goes down for any reason, any part of it goes down, they take down 20 other companies with them, which is 
pretty scary, but they also seem to be covering their bases since Amazon Prime also does video streaming. So what I've kind of figured out watching the Amazon Prime model, their business model, and I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly how I feel about this, to, to be honest, because I do appreciate the two-day shipping and the amazingness that Amazon is, but it seems their strategy is entirely focused on letting somebody else try something out letting them fail and figure it out and stumble through until they've got it down to a perfect system and then taking it over and kicking them out. Yeah, that seems... <laughs> I mean, so they do it... seems a little unfair. But, it, but they do it with a lot of merchants. If you look at Quora, there's quite a few conversations actually about this that's happened to a few people. So when Amazon first opened up to anyone being able to go onto their platform and sell their stuff... You'll see a lot of complaints where people brought products that they don't make themselves. They were just trying to be a merchant. They started selling them. They figured out what marketing worked. They perfected their uh, pitch to get things to sell. They figured out their price point. And then at some point, Amazon shuts down their account and tells them that they are no longer welcome on their platform because they violated some sort of random terms of service. And then Amazon proceeds to sell the products in the exact same way that the person did before. And so likewise, you kind of think that maybe they were doing the same thing. Like they let Netflix go on AWS first, kind of test out this whole video streaming thing. And now they do video streaming too. They just can't kick out Netflix because it's too big. Yeah. Well, and they don't, they don't want to. I mean, they win either way. I think they're happy to have everyone competing for hearts and minds on their platform. I could see that. Um, I definitely, that, that's where I'm a bit torn because I know that they're, what they're promoting is to making life simpler with their products, but at the same time, shutting down people that are trying to also make a living. Um, it, it, the small business in me is just crying out a little bit that right. they're being crushed by the giant Amazon once they learn your trade secrets. I sympathize with Amazon a little bit in this, in this instance because having worked at Apple, there's a lot of haters. And if you are one of the people that talks to the public or interfaces with the public, you get exposed to a lot of that. And in, in many cases, it's not even that there was any ill will. It's just that when the elephant rolls over, mics are going to get squished. That makes and, sense. And it's not necessarily that they're they're like, who can we screw over today? <laughs> You know, they're just, you know, this person is, in theory, violating some esoteric rule and gets shut down. And it, and it really hurts them. But for Amazon, it's just like one of, you know, 10,000 transactions that happen every well, day. Sure. But it, it seems like a, I mean, from a purely business standpoint, it's a smart strategy. Let other people figure out the nuts and bolts and then just take what they did. I guess. But if if <laughs> you have to also consider how interesting that little tiny business is for Amazon, yeah, because it would not make a dent on their bottom line one way or the other. That's how they grew. <laughs> I feel like it all becomes part of the algorithm. Well, and frankly, m most of this entire thing could probably be run by an algorithm. <laughs> People's creativity come in when they start building. Well, there there are really smart things. people that work there, and, yeah. and luckily, the the reason that I use AWS as someone you know working on on a on a product is because they have super smart people working there on this platform. And I can't possibly reproduce the kinds of services that they provide. Yeah. And the whole purpose of AWS in the beginning anyway, was to provide a substantial and sustainable uh, web platform for developers. And Jeff Bezos, there's, there's the apocryphal story that he told everyone in the company that they had a year to adopt AWS for their own products and services or they were fired. And that's a great way to make sure that people use your platform. <laughs> so that, that motivated the troops 
And yeah, it was a great way to uh, make sure that everybody was eating their own dog food, even though it was going to be painful for a year. It's yeah. just like, well, suck it up. But it's a great way as well for them to kind of make sure that it is what it is. I mean, you've, you got to give Jeff Bezos credit. He definitely wants to jump in with both feet in everything, you know, and, and they'll learn along the way. And well, yeah. if they stumble, then they've learned early enough to stumble, not later on when they've got major players like Netflix on their platform. Yeah. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't, like the Fire Phone, it really <laughs> bombs. It was it was Aww. terrible. And uh, a lot of that apparently, a lot of the direction for that product apparently came from Jeff. And that's fine. It's fine to fail. Well, and I kind of think he doesn't really think he failed. I think it was a, he threw a phone out there because we are starting to slowly see the rise of independent phones that aren't just Samsung and Apple. And it didn't work, but he got enough data where it kind of sounded like he's going to pull back. They're going to reevaluate. And I bet in another two or three years, you'll probably see a new Amazon phone of some sort. Hopefully he won't call it Alexa like everything else they have. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I know. Uh, so Alexa. is two things. It's two things. It was the old thing. The original Alexa.com is an analytics platform. So if you were in web marketing at all, you knew Alexa. Alexa was your best friend. It basically told you how well websites were doing with traffic and it, it gave you a good inside look. Amazon bought that Alexa, but that is not to be confused with the particular Alexa that we are interested in for this episode. Yeah, we very much care about the Alexa that people are professing their love to, which is the Alexa that's uh, the little genie inside the Amazon Echo, which is their uh, effectively IoT device. Today we're talking about Amazon and and obviously the focus is IoT because that's what we do. And Echo is a huge part of that, or at least or at least the front end, the consumer facing part of a huge effort at Amazon to reorient themselves around the Internet of Things. And to kind of continue down their path of being your everything. So Amazon's Echo is similar to Siri and Cortana in the sense that it wants to be the thing you talk to that will help you. But there's a significant difference with the way the Echo handles this versus Siri and Cortana. So Siri and Cortana are very are closed systems. Apple dictates what Siri knows for the most part. For now. Uh, for now. Whereas Amazon decided to go completely in the other way when it came to Echo and Alexa. It's completely open. So based on whatever apps you download into your Echo, Alexa is still your main contact point and she can connect and she. Com- communicate. You're anthropomorphizing her. Are already. we not allowed to anthropomorphize technology? No, it's okay. I feel like everything. I mean, people already talk to their cars and <laughs> name them. What's the difference? This thing actually talks back now. Apparently, Alexa, I love you is a very common <laughs> phrase used with the Amazon Echo. And I... You know, I don't blame people, especially kids. You know, they yeah. if they talk to something and it responds tirelessly, of course, they're going to think it's their friend. <laughs> well, and a particularly interesting announcement from CES this year is that Ford and Alexa are now going to be friends. <laughs> Essentially, Amazon cut a deal with Ford and it sounds like Alexa will be the voice you hear inside your new Fords. So the thing that Amazon Echo is built on is called Alexa Voice Services or AVS. And this is being provided for select developers at the moment. I I believe it's going out to everyone very soon, if not already by the time you heard this. And their pitch is, 
If you're making a thing with a mic and speaker, AVS lets you add a voice-powered user experience to your thing. And so if you use AVS, people can talk to your thing and your thing will talk back. And so it's great. They have this deal with Ford. That means AVS will potentially be everywhere in all Ford cars. Yep. And their next level of really partnering with Amazon on that is that from your car, they want you to be able to control all your other IoT devices. So essentially, Ford wants to become part of your home ecosystem by connecting in with Alexa and the Alexa system. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if my if my watch has uh, AVS built in, I should be able to control my lights with my watch just as easily as I sh- you know can do it with Amazon Echo today. Yeah. And so Echo becomes basically a voice node on your personal network, but that node hopefully travels around with you, maybe on your watch, maybe in your car. Who knows? And because it's so, it just seems like it's really captured what what we all hoped Siri and Cortana could have been or or hey Google. Amazon, I think Jeff Bezos did the same thing he's he's done a few times where he kind of sits back and he watches what happened with Siri. And the coolest thing that Siri could do is tell you jokes, basically. It seemed like that was the big kicker with that. Cortana kind of Really? That's what you got out of Siri? I, that's all I got out of Siri. I mean <laughs> in and you were so reliant on Apple's apps. That but, is a that is a problem. I mean, the 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 problem with Siri is that very quickly you run into limitations. And I think the true is, is same of Amazon Echo. But the difference is that they have effectively an app ecosystem where those apps are called skills. Yeah. And it, it seems a very appropriate name because it does seem like every skill you add to Alexa, she learns and she knows how to. They've built the ecosystem so that apps can talk to each other and that things can make sense. I mean, so there's already Alexa stories online, and, and we'll link to some of these, where people have played out what a perfect Alexa scenario could be. Are you saying that like there's Alexa fanfic kind online? Kind of. <laughs> where you're like, hey, Alexa. So one that I thought was particularly interesting was the guy comes home from work, and he says, hey, Alexa, where's my wife? And Alexa responds, your wife's upstairs napping. So he's like, all right, so I'm going to go to the office. When she wakes up, tell her to contact me. And then uh, this is his his fantasy. Yeah. And so then, of course, there's another Alexa echo box in the bedroom and she wakes up and then uses it as an intercom to talk to him and tells him to come to the bedroom. And (laughs) there's your Alexa fanfic. Oh, my dramatic. It's the next Hunger Games. (laughs) So you might be cheating on your wife with Alexa. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know how that works. But the I think the biggest point and kind of see it in the commercials versus Siri and you know, all the other all the other ones felt like you were talking to the tool and that was kind of your purpose. Whereas it feels more like, especially in the commercials, that Alexa's supposed to subtly integrate into your life. We are not even supposed to really think about it as if you're talking to a system. And I think that's kind of the whole purpose of all of IoT as we get into the home version of IoT, where it's just supposed to subtly become part of your life. The recent study out predicts that. of households in America will have an IoT device at home by the end of this year. And if you have your Amazon Echo and it instantly recognizes that you've bought a new smart fridge or smart dishwasher or smart washing machine, and it it now instantly knows everything and you can now just tell it and it will tell you, hey, your fridge is low on a water filter or... It will tell you, hey, by the way, you should get Amazon Dash for this brand new dishwasher you bought because you are running low on supplies. The Amazon Echo is really the first instance of a new way of of working with things. So as an 
quote unquote natural user interface device where you're either texting with agents or you're talking with these agents. It is the first one that provides sort of an ecosystem for that, complete with the developer story. Yeah. And the nice thing is that once you have enough developers plugged into it, you might get positive reinforcement and, and nice results from many of the things that you say. Whereas with Siri, you very quickly run into a brick wall. Uh, with, with Google now, it's a little bit better. And there's a way for other apps to, to hook into that. But with Amazon Echo and Amazon Voice Services, it's really the first successful instance of a natural user interface uh, ecosystem, Yeah, which is, is great. Because once you break open that wall, a lot of super interesting stuff will follow. It seems like also an important step in getting people more comfortable with having ubiquitous technology surrounding them at home. I mean, everyone's felt really stupid talking to Siri, (laughs) but you really stop. Like I've stopped doing that. I turned on Siri's always on feature in my iPhone. And, you know, last night in the middle of the night, I'm like, Siri, what time is it? And she told me. Okay. And you just start to take it for granted that that's a thing that will happen when you speak out loud. (laughs) <laughs> and things are listening to you and your little army of servants is, you know, awaiting your every beck and, you know, is that your beck and call? Ten years ago, we all thought everyone looked crazy when the Bluetooth earpiece was created and people were just randomly talking to themselves down the street. Now we're getting even more comfortable with just talking to nobody. Well, you said it was just it was weird that I looked at my watch and I was poking I, around I to did. check a notification. It's absolutely you're totally right. It's the same thing. It, it's uh, we're, we're building new habits. So our IoT devices are teaching us how to build new habits. Yeah. And, and all kinds of new user interfaces, too. I mean, the whole you know thing where you're poking a screen. It's It's, so barbaric. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly in 20 years, we're not going to have, you know, these little thin little bricks in front of us. We're going to be poking them. That's not going to how it's going to happen in 20 years. So everything that everyone takes for granted now is going to go away. And this is uh, kind of a peek into that future, I think. There's some great skills out there. There's some really funny ones. There's ways to integrate it, of course, with your lights, with things like that that are pretty obvious. But there's also ones that will insult you in the style of William Shakespeare. You know, there's all (laughs) kinds of fun toys. So there's all kinds of interesting use cases for this. I have friends who bought one because they have more money than sense. And initially, they had no idea what it was going to kind of do for them. But very quickly, they got used to it. And it's just something they kind of count on. They're able to ask Alexa to play their music and it just works. And you don't have to fumble through an app. You don't have to figure out, oh, am I going to use the Apple Music app or Plex? You just kind of do it and the agent takes care of it for you. And apparently it's just a a beautiful experience that they get used to very, very quickly. One other interesting Echo story was about its... Getting the right apps in its system to start recognizing patterns and responding in appropriate ways. So the this other play out or case study, I guess, would be where you come home and you're depressed and Echo can hear it in your voice because there already are apps that, that listen to your voice and can detect uh, mood. So Echo detects that you are depressed. And without you having to tell it or without you saying anything, uh, because basically you come home and Echo says, how was your day? And you mumble and you're all pissed off. And then Echo starts playing happy music (laughs) in the house and suddenly your mood lifts and now Echo's become your shrink. (laughs) Or your codependent roommate, maybe? Well, you know, IoT devices could live on and they don't need, I mean, as long as he's plugged in, he's got power, Echo can just... 
be your your everything. Yeah. No. And when this is built into a little portable form factor, like a Furby, mm. and then you can bring it with you and just hug it. Well, they do already have the talking Barbies, but that's for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but this will, in, you know, this will inevitably come in a furry form factor that's fun to hug someday. I mean, all this stuff will become so oddly integral to our lives in ways we can't imagine. Well, and because of the Amazon Skills Kit and or the Alexa Skills Kit and then the Amazon Echo and the fact that they're already starting to partner with Ford and they're 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 really trying to become to integrate into absolutely everything. You could see at some point Alexa being the choice for developers in whatever they build, whether it's something furry for the next phone, your car, your TV, maybe everything will be Alexa, especially if they're winning the race when it comes to smart IoT powered personal assistant. That's very true. And it's very important that this work for Amazon because they have very few places where they touch the consumer right now. They don't, you know, they don't really have a play on iOS other than another, you know, app maker. They don't really have a strong Amazon story other than throwaway tablets that are that are simply the cheapest option. So you can buy them in literally 10 packs. The Kindles. The Kindles. They have. Yeah, they do have Kindles and those are strong. And the Android versions of the Kindles are their Android tablets are very, very cheap, mm-hmm. but they really don't have sort of any unique place in consumers' lives in the sense that although Amazon owns us from the perspective of when we want to order stuff for Christmas, we're going to do it from Amazon. They don't own the user experience anywhere. They don't own iOS. They don't own the Android user experience. They make Android products, but that's really kind of out of their control other than their specific applications. Where they do have a chance to introduce some control is with uh, potentially this natural user interface voice service. The success of Echo and the success of Alexa is really important to Amazon because there are very few places where they touch the consumer in a place where they own the user experience and where they kind of control the user experience. They have fine hardware. They have Kindles. Obviously, that's a place where they can control the user experience, but it's fairly niche. They have Android tablets, which are, of course, very, very popular. But for the most part, you know, they're just they're dependent on another third party for the OS, another third party for the uh, app experience. Their own app store isn't doing that well. On iOS, of course, they're just a guest. They're a tenant. Yeah. So Amazon Echo and Alexa voice services is really important for them because they control the experience. They can do deals with Ford. They could potentially come up with a system that usurps some of the user's attention from things like iOS and Android and compete with Apple and Google in that respect. Definitely. I mean, Amazon is already your go-to by far in the real world when it comes to what everyone knows them for, which is delivering products. Um, A recent study showed that Amazon is now responsible for more than 50% of all retail sales growth in the U.S. So that's pretty significant. That's crazy. From a like person to person, as in I rely on Amazon to get me what I need. Now it's stepping up to a whole new level where it's not only do I, because I, I not only do I acknowledge that Amazon will send me what I need, but now I can interface directly with Amazon. And it seems like that would definitely be the next step in their evolution of being everything to everyone and taking over the world. It's impressive because most people I, I don't think have even heard of, I mean, everyone's heard of the app store and the, you know, play store for Google and everyone has their own thing. But I don't think too many people have actually heard of Alexa's skills section but they already have over 130 apps that are easily accessible by Echo. And that's pretty significant. 
Very. I mean, those are going to be the hardest apps to persuade people to build, the early ones. But as Echo becomes popular, I mean, for example, for now, we're seeing, right now, we're seeing uh, people talk about Alexa a lot. So, for example, if you look at device social mentions uh, globally, from July to November, Echo was number two, right after Google OnHub. Uh, So quite popular there. And if you're looking at digital assistant joy and admiration... (laughs) <laughs> which is a, a report done by Amazon Social. Amazon Echo is, quote unquote, the most admired, which for a brand new product and a new service is quite impressive. And eventually they won't have to beg developers to create apps for them. In fact, right now, <laughs> they're not even begging right now. They're throwing money at the problem. They have something called the Alexa Fund, which dedicates $100 million in investment to fuel voice technology innovation for companies building skills, apps, and hardware with Alexa and Alexa services. So that's huge. Right now, that's something that they should be doing. They're doing exactly the right thing. Developers respond to money and market share, and uh, that's what they'll have to do. But if they get uh, momentum going and the deals with Ford pay off, things like that, developers will be flocking to the platform in the same way that developers flock to iOS. You don't have to sell iOS to developers. Yeah. Like that, that hasn't happened in years. And same way with Amazon. If they can get some attraction, they'll have developers flocking to them before they flock to, you know, Siri, before they flock to Google now. Well, for them, it's always about the long game. So it's well worth their time and effort to make sure that they create enough of an impact, both in the coolness of Echo and Alexa, but also in encouraging developers to come to their to their realm um, in that respect. So right now, Amazon is creating really the first voice-powered ecosystem. They have the consumer play with Amazon Echo. They have the developer play with uh, Alexa voice services. And that's a pattern that we see elsewhere at Amazon, too. Definitely. So have you seen the Amazon Dash? I've seen commercials for it. It's basically supposed to be your universal button to reorder anything you want, anytime. It's... (laughs) IoT hardware has gotten so cheap (laughs) that Amazon will basically give you a button. And and the button costs you five bucks, but it's refunded on their first order. Yep. So you just have to use it once for it to be free. And it's this little stick-on button. It seems weird, but here's where it doesn't seem weird. Imagine everything getting 100 times cheaper. Right. That button is going to be part of every package of mac and cheese that you buy. (laughs) And. You know, because as people were getting into the smart home and and predicting smart fridges and, and uh, you know, I, I love to watch TV and movies and see what people think the future is going to be. That was always one of the things is as you run out of food, what's the easiest way to replenish household items, toilet paper, food, uh, you know, just random little things that you use all the time. And Amazon tried at first with the automatic grocery delivery, which I feel like didn't go over as well. A lot of other, well, because the big grocery trains started basically doing the same thing and Amazon just can't compete on that level. They still, yeah, they still do that in the sense that if you if you kind of prearrange for a subscription to yeah. a product, you'll get a great deal on it. And then, but some of the fine. subscriptions go away. Well, and some of the subscriptions aren't products that are easily bought that way. Right. Like how many times do you need vas- Vaseline in your lifetime? <laughs> Right. <laughs> or toothpaste or I mean, right. It, it, and, it yeah. varies. It varies for sure. With the dash button, you can definitely see that we're trying to fully move into the IoT world where you don't ever have to look at a screen. 
Because in theory, when IoT is completely around us, you know, your echo, you just tell your echo what you need. And if your echo can't solve it, then you just go and, oh, I noticed I'm out of dishwashing detergent. Just click on the button and a new box will come in the mail within two hours if you're in one of these major cities or within two days if you're out in the middle of nowhere. So Amazon's gotten their fulfillment service down so good. An IoT button is all you need. You don't have to have to think about it and... That's exactly what you want to be when you're a merchant is you want to get to the place where people don't think when they buy. The infrastructure around it is amazing. And when it's kind of automatic like that, you really don't think about price as much either. So there's an interesting thing where Amazon kind of made its mark by offering generally the most amazing prices. Yes. Uh, That's not always true. Amazon is sometimes more expensive, but often we've all done the thing where we're shopping in a store and looking up the price on Amazon and be like, eh, I can wait a day for that. Well, and with Prime, easily, without even thinking, I'll spend $100 a year to know that I'll get something in two days. Uh, You know, you're just too busy to shop anymore. So you've got the price advantage and it comes to your door. Convenience. But now with this automatic ordering stuff, guess what? You're not price shopping at that point. Yeah. And that's a chance for Amazon to really improve its margins by a few percentage points, which would be amazing for the company. Yeah. You have this button and and we're we're all fumbling for the future, we have no idea if this is the form it should be in. Yeah. Ideally, your house would just notice that you need more mac and cheese. And it would just arrive. And it would just arrive. That hasn't happened yet. The dash buttons are a good way to start that and to experiment with that. But it's it will look absolutely hilarious in five years, I am sure. It'll be fun. It's The other interesting aspect of this is the developer service. Yes. Which is the dash replenishment service. Mm-hmm. DRS is, they have to have an acronym for everything that's... It is the future, after all. Acronyms are the future. Yes. Where this stuff is built into the device. So your coffee maker is able to order more coffee for you at the touch of a button. Makes sense for K-cups. Your washing machine is able to order detergent for you at the press of a button. Uh, They've they've had partnerships with a lot of people. Gosh, Whirlpool, Brita, Brother, GE, Sutro, Quirky. There's there's all these businesses they're doing partnerships with where this makes sense. And the ultimate goal, I'm sure, is that Amazon ordering, replenishing supplies is built into the DNA of these products instead of being something that you do. It's sort of just done for you. Sure. And kind of feels like that was Amazon's pitch from the beginning that you think they you think this was the plan? Well, I think it fits with their overall mantra that convenience is more important than price, that you are too busy. You are far too busy to go to the store and pick up everything you need. So just order on Amazon and it'll just be delivered to your door. And you could increase your margins a little bit now that convenience is starting to become a higher priority than price. I mean, if the economy tanks, the whole business model would falter for sure. But right now, if the economy is doing fairly well and people are more busy than they are broke, then, you know, things just come to your door and convenience is way more important. You know, as long as I'm reasonably sure that the price is within sort of the, the cheapest tier range. I'll play, sure. you know, I'll, I'll continue to use Amazon. And the second it's not, I won't. Yeah. But by building their DNA into all of these products, by providing uh, ways to just speak something and have it ordered for you. They're really kind of getting past just price comparison shopping. Oh, for sure. They they will be your go-to. It will be the first place you assume to go. 
it's the first time I would ever use Amazon and maybe not be price sensitive. Otherwise, I am cutthroat. (laughs) If Amazon is not the cheapest, I will buy locally, right? Especially since they started charging tax, which I've always paid. (laughs) Wink, wink. Uh, Even when they didn't charge. Yeah. So overall, Amazon's ecosystem, it, it fully embracing IoT. And out of all... The major tech players out there, you know, Google and Apple and Samsung and the rest. Amazon, I think, is really showing the most promise as an IoT player, despite the fact that other companies have, you know, acquired quite a few IoT companies. But Amazon seems to be understanding that convenience is the whole point of IoT. And so that needs to come first. It has to be easy, it has to be smart, and has to integrate into your life in a seamless way. And that is definitely their focus with all of their, you know, the skills and Echo and Dash. They have two-faced approach, and that sounds like derogatory, but it's not. They have the consumer-facing business, which you're right, convenience has to be number one. Price, uh, you know, and and at no expense on price. It can't be more expensive. Right. Because people will go well out of their way to... uh, Save a couple bucks. Be a little inconvenienced (laughs) if they can save a couple bucks, exactly. And then they have the developer side of this, which is helping developers focus on the stuff that they do best, and, and their prices are also pretty great. They're not necessarily always the lowest price vendor, but when you factor into account the kind of support you would need on the developer side to create the services they're creating, you would need a lot more people to do the same kind of stuff. And so they're very well positioned on IoT. I mean, Apple doesn't make, you know, Apple has dipped their toe in the water, certainly with Apple Watch. It's a very, you know, they've decided to own the wearable space with the watch, and that's fine. Google has faltered in the wearable space, big time with Google Glass. Uh, Although they, there's a new one being revealed at CES this year. It's the same stuff. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's slightly better designed, and that's great. And it'll find some purchase in, in industry sure. where you might need to have both hands free, and you can look like a cyborg and no one cares. That's yeah. fine. But really, Amazon, uh, between the Dash button and the Echo, is really showing the way. And it's kind of impressive. Bringing developers into, bringing all types of developers uh, an easy access point into the general consumer market in a way that, you know, because I mean, it seems like a lot of the skills apps and, you know, the things that are joining up with Echo each have their own very, very, very specific uh, purpose. But the way Amazon built Alexa skills lets these really kind of become part of the same system in a way that they can leverage other apps in a in a very open source way, very um, <laughs> communal. It's very way. smart. Yeah, the skills make them look better. Yeah. <laughs> the The fact that they're selling the same piece that powers their products in both the instance of the Dash and the Echo means that they make money either way. They make money and build influence whether you're using an Amazon Echo or whether you're using another third-party product that's using the Alexa voice services. And so they're playing it just perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, they still have a bunch of other add-ons, you know. I mean, there's Amazon Underground where you're supposed to get paid for every customer every minute. There's merchandise you can get through Amazon, in-app purchasing, mobile ads, mobile associates, uh, advertise your app within Amazon, Developer promotions, device messaging, login with Amazon, Game Circle. They have their own Maps program. They've got the Cloud Drive, obviously, and the Fling SDK, the publishing API. They have their own split A-B testing. You know, I mean, they they definitely are trying to be 
everything to everyone. Amazon is trying to make sure that not only do the consumers have everything they need right when they need it, but that all the developers have right what they would need when they need it. Basically, they create a comfy enough space. You will live within Amazon, the world, which is, I think, Jeff Bezos's initial goal with creating Amazon in the first place. It wants to be your A to Z. It wants to be your everything. According to the Wikipedia article, Bezos selected the name Amazon by looking through the dictionary and wanted a place that was exotic and different, just as he planned for his store to be. But notably, also because the Amazon River is the biggest river in the world, and he wanted to make sure that his store was the biggest in the world. And I think as things have evolved since he first started in 94, biggest store in the world has now probably become more the biggest everything in the world. He wants to be the place that developers go by default when they're building something new, that IoT by default goes when they need a voice, when they need a brain, when they need skills, uh, which is a very clever name for their library of um, aspects. So they're not apps, they're skills that Echo learns, that Alexa learns to help you out. It's it's pretty interesting. I don't. It's hard to tell how much of this was premeditated and how much it wasn't. And Jeff Bezos clearly can't read the future. There's been plenty of failures, but he's throwing enough stuff at the wall that's sticking that they are in a really interesting place in respect to the IoT. Between AWS, which is, you know, there's no sign that they're not going to be the, the cloud leader for the next decade. For sure. And things like uh, Amazon Echo and the developer services that power it and Dash and the developer services that power it. Really, we're looking at an IoT that's powered in large part by Amazon. And all of that is going to make it very easy for people to be loyal Amazon customers. And so they're very uniquely positioned in a way that Apple and Google are just not. And Samsung, you know, we've talked about Samsung in the past as a competitor to Google and Apple. And I don't even think they're, you know, they're barely on the radar anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think they're all trying to attack IoT in their own unique ways. Um, the, the, the Google definitely with the car, and, you know, I think they're ahead of the game, although we'll see how it plays out with CES because it doesn't see at least right now, it doesn't look like they have a deal with Ford for, for their self-driving car. I think by far they, they're furthest with that. But with their other IoT devices, it, it feels like, well, they bought Nest and they're kind of figuring things out. Apple just kind of threw out the home kit and with their with their Apple attitude about here's our home kit. You guys just make it work well, now. That's really what it feels I like. I think it's quite that simple, but yes, it has not taken off. And well, I can't just buy home kit stuff very easily. Yet. And they're not pushing it and babying it the same way that Amazon does. I no, mean, Amazon no, is really about, uh, you know, Amazon is trying to lure people to their platform. Apple still has that attitude that we're Apple and we're amazing. You're all going to come to us anyway. Wow. You are really reading some attitude I into am. Apple. Now, <laughs> They have a thing where they generally don't really push stuff until they can kind of show growth. My take on it, if you care to hear it, (laughs) is that HomeKit is kind of in the same place Apple TV was two or three years ago, which is it's, oh, it's a toy. We're just trying it out. Right. And at some point they'll pour fuel in the fire. Yeah. Whereas uh, I think you're, you feel like they're being very elitist or something by like, oh, here's this thing. Have fun with it. Yes. Plebs. Enjoy. (laughs) Um, But I don't, I don't feel it. I feel that they're just don't have all their ducks in a row yet. They might join the race a little bit more fervently. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When they do join the the race, a la Apple watch, it will be with much force Okay, and and the power of a lot of money. So it'll be Apple watch versus Amazon echo versus 
who knows from Google. <laughs> oh, sure. No, there's an Nest. Apple, there's an Apple car in the works for sure. Yeah. I mean, as much as they're, you know, they're going to say it's not that that's one of the few markets that still makes sense for Apple size. Right. But unlike Google, which is taking every opportunity to show us these uh, seemingly toy cars that yeah. can drive around on their own. Apple's not going to share, you know, like, oh, look how far we were coming. They're not looking for th- you know, outside validation. Yeah. They'll just come out with something amazing when it's ready. Uh, or they'll they'll say it's amazing, but it's not as amazing a la Google Maps versus Apple Maps. It, it, right. But but if you look at Apple Maps right now, it's great. But it's too late now. Google's Maps already are amazing. No, in fact, Google Earth. In and, fact, Apple Maps dominates on iOS. No. Well, yes. on iOS, because people are lazy. Which is the, which people are lazy. <laughs> And that's and that's okay. why Amazon wins every time. That's why Amazon has it. Yeah, Amazon yeah. obviously has a ton of people in its little credit card database, yeah. same as Apple does. That's true. Which is something Google does not have, by the way. Yeah. Google does not have good direct relationships with end users. Yeah. It does feel like Google takes its overabundance of money and likes to play in the sphere of how are we going to save the world? They have well, a lot of really cool little projects. That's what they say, but they're an ad company. Oh, for sure. They're- but that's but that's how they make their money. Okay, so Google has tons of money. Uh-huh. Um, Apple has tons of money. Amazon's in an interesting place because they have tons of money, but they're, their stockholders well, they're are pissed reinv- off. Yeah, they're and- reinvesting it all almost instantly, which, yeah. is, which is fine. Like- yeah, but Google seems to be spending their their money to just kind of play with like really cool what ifs, like kind of like a nerd heaven. Well, and, and now they're just one part of Alphabet yeah. as well. Yeah. And then Amazon, that's true. Well, I mean, Google is... Well, Google, so Alphabet really is the one that's that's kind of the play nerd heaven. In fact, there. in fact, I believe the car effort technically belongs to Alphabet. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And so, so they're right. doing they're doing the moonshot quote unquote stuff. Yeah. Like the like the car. The fun stuff. And then Apple Absolutely. is... Building what they think is cool from a design perspective, I think more so than from a global, this would be cool to have perspective. And Amazon's thinking, what's the best way to infiltrate everywhere? And in that sense, Amazon might win the race because they seem the most focused. Google might still have the coolest stuff from a global perspective. (laughs) But but you just said Amazon seems the most focused. But before, didn't you just read off like 50 products? Yeah. Whereas Google has how many? I don't know. Phone? Watch, tablet. Well, and then laptops Google, like four. Well, like four groups of products. Well, that's not true because Google also has all their fun stuff, like their sneakers they made that sing, and the their um <laughs> their all oh, their random Google, projects. Yeah, Google well, also Alphabet. has yeah. Google also has a million things that yeah. they do, and that's what I'm saying is their projects are more like the fun ones, like digitizing every book that's ever existed. That's cool. And I think that's more of a, a social benefit than that's, a financial that's one. That's on mission for them yes. to organize the world's information. Yes, absolutely. And Amazon's is to organize the world's customers <laughs> to, to buy right. stuff. Like Amazon is, we want you to to pay us for everything. Yeah. And Google's is like, we, we want to organize the world's information. Yeah. And so Google's is just much theory, more. Uh... Yeah. In theory, it sounds a lot more kind of beneficial to humanity. Right. But I'm not. Which is what I think it is. But like... what, they're, what they're missing is Google saying, well, yeah, to organize the world's information. So we can advertise on everything. I mean, they're kind of leaving out the last part, which is so we can get money from you. But 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think Google's hurting for money. <laughs> I, no, they're not. Absolutely. Advertising is at an all time high. And not that Apple's taking the high road either. Obviously, they're, no. they're doing uh, they're not doing it for the good of mankind. The billion dollars in cash they're sitting on. Although the way it turns out, they're all benefiting mankind. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, they're, they're not doing the IoT stuff because of that. Yeah. Obviously. I don't see uh, Amazon necessarily doing a lot of uh the charitable so that's, for the benefit of humanity yes. stuff. They seem much more focused in that sense. That's what I was saying. So it's like, yeah, they're not doing that for the benefit of mankind. And I think people are, are getting a little smart about it. India is like, uh, no, thanks. Facebook. Greece is like, uh, no, thanks. Facebook. <laughs> so you have Google who's doing the internet of things so they can advertise on it. Yes. Apple who's doing the internet of things so they can sell you more products. Yes. And Amazon, who's into Internet of Things, so they can be part of the sale of every product. Right. Which seems more along the lines of what IOT's end goal is, is to infiltrate your life so that it makes everything easier. <laughs> infiltrate. Infiltrate. Isn't that a word? Doesn't, doesn't that have negative connotations? It may have negative connotations, but I think people are okay with infiltration at this point. So Amazon, when it comes to IOT in 2016, is... Building their IoT table on three legs. Okay, first leg, Amazon Echo and its developer services. Amazon Dash and its Dash replenishment services. And also, finally, last but not least, AWS. And AWS uh, introduced a whole bunch of IoT-specific services, as well as its plethora of services that are generally applicable to IoT and other stuff. So they are strongly positioned for uh, a, an amazing 2016 when it comes to IoT. Yeah, so definitely keep an eye out on Echo and Alexa. You'll start seeing it much more prevalent. As other IoT devices come out this year, it'll be interesting to see how Echo works with them and if everything is actually working as well as everyone hopes. Yeah, and I'm going to be playing with Alexa voice services for my own stuff that I'm building too, so I'll let you know how it goes. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form on our site or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps other people find us. To get the best Internet of Things news every week, sign up for our email newsletter at farstuff.com. 